This is the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health, exploring a wide variety of medical and wellness issues for older adults and their families. Here's your host, Jason Alderman. Welcome. This is the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health. I'm Jason Alderman. We're here with, as always, with Dr. Kumar Damarajan. Kumar is the Chief Scientific Officer here at Clover Health. We're going to talk food and fitness today, Kumar. Exercising. Boy, we get inundated with messages that we all should be exercising. Everybody, all the time, nonstop. But what are the specific benefits for exercising for senior citizens? Exercise has a lot of benefits, and you're absolutely right. We all should be exercising, young, middle age, old. And there's really nothing that exercise does that's harmful. Everything, as long as it's done safely, benefits people. I think the most important thing is it makes people feel better. And so regular exercise increases our energy, it improves our mood, it reduces things like depression, and it just makes us able to do more things in our daily life. Our quote-unquote exercise capacity increases the more we exercise, so we feel better. In addition, it really actually makes us live longer. And I think the data is really clear that regular exercise of a sufficient quantity and quality does make us live longer. It prevents heart attacks. It prevents strokes. Mm. It can actually make our mind sharper. So the only thing really to date that's been shown to improve cognition over, over time as we age is regular exercise. And that's probably because regular exercise prevents the things that can harm our brain, like chronic disease, like high blood pressure and diabetes and, you know, all these things that can happen to us as we age. And so, you know, exercise really on some level, is the fountain of youth, and we all should be doing more, including me. All right, I'm sold. As hard as that is, I'm sold. For seniors specifically, what, what's the best kind of exercise? You know, was there a specific type you recommended? How often, how long? That seems to be the big, the big dilemma, too, which is I, I can feel guilty if I don't, do, I, I don't do it enough days a week or I only do it for 20 minutes at a time. Like, what's the, what's the right mix? What should I be doing? Or what should seniors be doing? How often should they do it? How long? There's a lot of questions. It's a lot. I'm packing a lot in for you, Kumar. All right. So first thing in terms of what is the right exercise, the right exercise is what a patient will do. Right? <laughs> so if I tell someone, hey, I think swimming is great, which it is, someone hates the water, hates going swimming, it's just not going to work, right? And so different people like different things, right? Whether that's swimming, walking, aerobics, Zumba, you know, whatever. So that is the best type of exercise, what someone is willing to do. In terms of, you asked about how long, how often should we be exercising? And so the latest recommendations suggest that an older adult should do between 150 and 300 minutes per week of moderate intensity exercise. So that is, you know, 150 minutes is two and a half hours, 300 is five. So between two and a half to five hours a week. Hmm. If you're going to do higher intensity exercise, you don't need to do as much. So hmm. that's between 75 and 150 minutes per week. So just to, just so I get clear on this. So if I, if I'm a runner, and I go out jogging, I can probably get away with doing less than if I'm doing something a little less impactful, a little less hardcore. What, but I want to get back to the, the right one for a second. And I know you, you're giving that you're giving, you gave me a nice broad answer, but like, let's just say you've got a blank slate of a patient, right? 
they don't hate anything. They don't love anything. They'll do what you say to do. What do you, you know, in that, what's, what's a favorite, a go-to exercise that you recommend for seniors? Walking uh, is, you know, if someone's willing to walk, it's easy to do as long as they can physically do it. It doesn't require gym membership. It doesn't require access to a swimming pool. It doesn't require a basketball court or a tennis court or any of those things. Most people can walk. So as long as the community is safe and you know the weather permits, people can walk. People can walk in their own homes, even if they can't go outside. I got to admit, one of the things I do is if I have a, if I have a meeting, sometimes I try to do it by phone rather than video. So I hook in my earpiece and I do laps while I'm on the conversation just to walk and get some steps in. And so, you know, when you're asking about what's the best exercise, I think the important point, which was in your question, but you didn't exactly ask it is, I think there are three categories of exercise. Mm. So one is aerobic. Okay. So walking falls in there, you know, swimming, running, you know, playing a sport like singles or doubles, going to the basketball court, things like that. So I think when I talk about the you know, 150 to 300 minutes, that's really aerobic type exercise. Okay. But the recommendations also are that seniors get at least two days a week of strength training and some balance training as well. And over time, exercise recommendations have increasingly emphasized the importance of strength training to keep the muscle mass up as we age, at least two, day, two days a week. And that doesn't mean, you know, going to the gym and doing bench presses, right? It could be very lightweight weights, but some degree of resistance training actually huh. helps us function better and live longer. And what I want to make sure that I understand what this what this strength training means is it, does that literally mean weights of some sort, even if it's a modest three pound weight? You know, that is that what that means? Yeah. So some is better huh. than nothing. And again, weights. I mean, there are folks who do whether you're, you're capable of doing push ups and other mm. sorts of and knee bends mm. and like other sorts of exercises that do build muscle that don't necessarily require weight. So lightweight weights are fine, they're great, but even if you don't have weights, there are strength training exercises that one could definitely do. And you know, for some people, they may not be able to do that you know, in their home, but they might do it in a swimming pool or something like that. And then that third category, balance training. Yeah, what's that? You know, I think there's some examples of it, like yoga, uh, Tai Chi is an example that's really popular with seniors in many cases, especially in China, but other parts of the world, including the United States. I think the idea here is that balance training, it prevents some things that are generally not a good thing for anybody, like falls or dizziness and things like that. And so, you know, regular aerobic exercise, strength training, and some balance training is better than you know, just doing aerobic exercise. But that being said, if I have a patient who's only willing to do aerobic exercise, you know, something is always better than nothing. Being active is better than being sedentary. And so you start what you can get and then try and push it uh, as you go on. And, and so that covers the full gamut and I'm feeling even more guilty now for what I don't do. But well, are, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for giving me that cover. Are there are there exercises that you hear that seniors want to do or are doing that, you, that worry you that, you know, may be fine if you're a 24 year old professional athlete. But if you're a 74 year old, you know, retired professional that maybe is too extreme. Any any you ever hear examples of that that give you pause? As context here, so there are 90-year-olds that run marathons. Mm. It's really about 
the level of exertion and how somebody feels. And it's really also about their other health conditions, right? And so, you know, first piece of advice I would always give is before starting an exercise regimen, especially if you have some chronic health issues, and, and there are differences, right? There's, well, I have diabetes, might be a chronic health condition, but if someone has something like significant heart disease, I might feel differently about what the level of safe exercise is. So first caveat is, if you do have chronic health conditions, it is worth talking to a doctor because there's not one hard and fast rule. And then I really think people should exercise to a point that's not too uncomfortable, right? So, you know, it's like to start low and take it slow. So that's a, you know, a phrase that's often used around medications, right? So don't put three medications started all at once at really high doses, Maybe start one at a low dose or two maximum and then increase that over time. That's generally safer. Same thing about exercise. So if you've been pretty sedentary, you know, maybe you don't want to run, you know, a half marathon the first time. That is dangerous. And so I just think you ratchet things up over time. And I think the other thing, you know, we're in the summer right now when we're having this conversation, you know, it can get pretty hot outside. You know, it's in the 90s here this week in New York. It's going to hit 100 degrees this weekend. And so be safe. And so don't just go out in the sun without hydration. So do it right. You know, wear a cap, wear loose-fitting clothing, make sure you have good access to water if you need to have a bud along with you so you don't find yourself feeling sick just because of how you're doing it or the conditions outside. Well, let me ask a follow-up on that, actually. How do you know, particularly if you're a senior, if you're, if you're pushing yourself too hard? Any warning signs of, uh-oh, you know, in the name of good health, I may be overdoing it. Yeah, I think if you're extremely short of breath or if you're hurting, right, listen to your body. It's like you don't have to be senior. It can be anybody. Listen to your body, right? It's, you know, Jason, if you or I were in the gym and we were doing weights and it was, we felt like we were like, you know, tearing muscles or, <laughs> you know, it was just too much. Yeah. Hopefully you and I would stop what we were doing and reevaluate whether it was the best course of action. So I think people just need to listen to their bodies. Uh, and, you know, I'm not saying don't push yourself, but there's limits to how, how much I put my, push myself. And it should be graded over time rather than too much too soon. So no hard and fast rule, but listen to your body. All right. Let's talk about the food side of this equation. As we get older, do we need less calories? Do we, should we be eating less food? So in general, as we age, our metabolic rate slows down. That is just a fact as we age. And so in general, as a general sense, caloric needs decline with aging. And so and usually people will adjust on some level. So yeah, in general, as we get older, we need less and less food to maintain what we say like a caloric balance. Essentially, the food coming in and the calories coming in is equivalent to, you know, the calories our body burns. This calorie is just a unit of energy at the end of the day on a daily basis. So there's some truth to that. And I want to make sure that I get what the, the metabolism slowing down. What does, that actually, what does that mean? Yeah, so essentially a lot of our body functions, whether it's the chemical reactions that happen in our body. So every second, you know, there's many, many thousands of chemical processes that are happening in our body. We don't feel them. We often may feel them if they're not going right, mm. right? That just with aging, there is some age-related normal changes in our body. Oh. And, you know, some of those reactions slowing down just habits. Huh. That's so interesting. So 
I, 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 my brain goes to like a car analogy. Is it like we just, we, we shift our gears shift and we just, we're running at a different speed now. Is that, is that, is that, is that, a, am I thinking about that in a, in a right way or is that oversimplified? I think that, I mean, I think you are, but you're also oversimplifying it in the sense that we can do some things to help keep that rate higher. So this, we just talked about exercise. And so there's good data to suggest that if we exercise regularly, we can maintain some of those features of being younger, right? And so whether that's energy level, energy expenditure, you know, our bodies, you know, the way our body functions at a metabolic level, the more we exercise, and there are limits, I'm not saying exercise 10 hours a day, but regular exercise does help keep our bodies younger. We hear about the importance of eating healthy from <laughs> as soon as we can hear about it and remember it. But it's, it's, I think it feels like it, it's more impactful when we're seniors. Are, are, are there certain kinds of foods that seniors need to eat more of or, or on the flip side, should be off limits when now that they're aging? I would actually say it's important to be eating healthy throughout your life. Mm. Definitely as a senior, it's important. But I mean, we see childhood obesity. It's a huge problem in the United States. About 20% of kids are obese in the United States, even more are overweight. So obesity is not just overweight, but it's really overweight. So, you know, I think eating right, exercising, being physically active is important all the time. I do think for older adults, it's, it's, it's important too. You know, as we get older, there are, we're just talking about some aging related changes. I think one thing, if I was going to say to keep in mind the most as we get older is our bodies get more and more sensitive to salt. Mm. Right. And as we get older, more and more people develop high blood pressure. And we care about high blood pressure because if it's not well controlled, it can cause problems that none of us want to have, like heart attacks and strokes and kidney disease and blindness. That's why we want blood pressure to be in a good level. You know, an average 20 year old, if they take in a lot of salt, their blood pressure might go up, but it might go up a little. Average 75 year old, when you take in that same amount of salt, the blood pressure tends to shoot up. Uh -huh. And so our bodies get, it's called salt sensitivity. So as we age, our sensitivity to the amount of salt we take into our bodies that we eat goes up. So it becomes even more important to lower our salt. Meaning rate. meaning we can't, we, we want to put more salt on to achieve the same salty taste where we can't taste it as much. So we have to put more on. I think that's a great question. What I actually meant was our body's reaction to the salt actually increases as we age. So oh, our, I see, I so see. So for the same amount of salt that we're taking in, our blood pressure goes up more when we're an older adult. And so that's why it becomes really important, especially if we have chronic conditions like you know, diabetes or kidney disease. That amps it up even more. And so I would say as we get older, it becomes even more important to have a low-salt diet compared to a, you know, a child or a middle-aged adult. I mean, to me... If that's the one thing we could do, I think that would be important. I mean, the other thing just to know, though, as we age is that, you know, you've probably heard this, most of taste is smell, mm. right? And so if you can't smell anything, you really can't taste much. And as we get older, our sense of smell actually, it's not as good anymore huh. as when we were kids. Like our vision and our hearing and a lot of other things. Yeah. So maybe not a huge surprise. And so food could taste different. It could be less appetizing. And then for older adults who are on lots of medications, it is possible that some of your medications can impact your sense of taste. I didn't your know sense that. Of smell. Huh. And so I think it becomes important that if 
you know, if I'm evaluating an older adult in the office or in their home and they're not eating much, one of the things I have to think about is the meds they're on. Maybe one of their medications is just really screwing up their appetite. And, and the solution is not saying eat more, here's different food. That might be part of the solution, trying different food, but it's really getting them off the med that was causing the problem in the first place. All right. Salt, message received. Are there foods that you really start encouraging people to eat that it's, you know, that, yes, you should have been eating this all along, but now it's really important you need to get more of this in your diet? Yeah, so the the, the diet with the greatest amount of evidence for it from a health perspective is something called a Mediterranean diet. So it's a diet that's high in, you know, whole foods, right? So complex carbs, not simple sugars, you know, legumes, you know, vegetables, fruits, when it comes to meat, minimizing, you know, red meat, more, you know, low fat poultry and fish, you know, it's a diet and it's a diet that's also prepared in healthier fats. So they use olive oil or vegetable oil and not, you know, butter or lard. And, you know, there's really good data to suggest that regularly following a Mediterranean diet prevents things like heart attacks and strokes. There have been papers and uh, you know research published in the best journals in the world that have really conclusively shown this. So I think to the extent we can shift towards a diet there, and that's a real lifestyle change. It's not just like, here's a pill supplement. We'll be better off. <laughs> Let's talk about multivitamins and supplements. Uh, they seem to be lots of supplements come and go. They get up, come into fashion. Multivitamins seem to have been around for a while. What's your take? Should seniors be on multivitamins? Should they be taking certain supplements? I think what I would recommend is a multivitamin and really stop there. You know, even multivitamins, there's not great, great data to suggest it actually helps people because most of us actually get decent nutrients in our diet. It's not like we're in a situation uh, where you're just not eating and there's real dietary problems in terms of just the nutrients going into our body through regular meals. That being said, multivitamins haven't conclusively been shown to help people live longer, avoid disease, but it's probably not harmful. I feel differently about supplements personally. So there is data to suggest that high doses, let's say of vitamin E or vitamin A or vitamin D can be harmful. So high doses, for example, of vitamin E, if you're already on a blood thinner like aspirin or any number of the other drugs you see on TV, it can increase your risk of bleeding. High doses of vitamin A can harm your liver. High doses or too high doses of vitamin D can cause bone problems. And so what I recommend from a vitamin perspective always better to just eat the food that contains that vitamins than pop the pills. Because while it's been clear that lots of fruits and vegetables, which do have lots of vitamins in them, are helpful, we just talked about the Mediterranean diet, trying to reproduce that health benefit just through the vitamins has never been shown and it's sometimes harmful. So that's the vitamin story. Then there's the supplement story. and They're a little bit different, I think. Um, you know, supplement, for example, you might see ads on TV, supplement that can improve your sex life, right? Or supplements that can help you lose weight. I would be careful with those because there's been a huge amount of recalls, hundreds of them, you know, in the last decade. And the reason is they're not regulated substances, uh, uh, you know, compounds. It's not like the FDA is making sure that 
what they say in the bottle is in the bottle. And they're not making sure that there's not other stuff in the bottle that shouldn't be there. So, for example, a lot of, you know, you know, you know, improving your sex life supplements, a lot of them were found to have like Viagra in them. And, you know, Viagra is a prescribed medicine and Viagra can cause problems if you have heart disease. And some of these supplements for losing weight contain pharmaceutical grade weight loss medicines, some of which can harm you if you use it wrong or you have other conditions. And so to me, I would always be careful about that. It seems great, but there's potential harm there. So, you know, in general, multivitamin, fine, avoid the pills otherwise. Great advice. Thank you, Kumar. This has been the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health. I'm Jason Alderman, and we were talking with Dr. Kumar Damarajan. He's the Chief Scientific Officer at Clover. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health. If you like what you heard, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to share with your friends and family. For more information about Clover, visit www.cloverhealth.com. 